You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Well, 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 look at who we have here. Thanks for coming back to this podcast. I feel like it's like a classroom. I'm welcoming the students, but... Anyways, thanks for downloading this and putting it into your ear holes. We are, of course, week after week, relentlessly discussing punk, hardcore, indie rock, independent music, that DIY variety, the small sweaty rooms, the finger points, the stage dives, the circle pits, the head bobs, the hold of your backpack as you spaz out, whatever it is you do at these shows. That is what we are covering. And uh, yeah, this week is an exciting one because I love this band so much. We have Sonia Weaver from Alien Boy. And I fell in love with Alien Boy. I will give full credit to where credit is due. And I actually mentioned this at the top of the interview. But uh, the Spotify algorithms, they got me and they, they hooked me on this band on their first release in 2017. And uh, this record that they released last year made my year in list and I absolutely adore it. So I had to have Sonia on the show and we discuss so many different things, including like Portland, getting, getting that to know that scene a little bit better. And then, uh, also just like she's a music teacher and yeah, it's just really cool stuff. But anyways, if you wanted to break this show off a favor, because you know, I'm not asking for money. That's, that's clearly part of the whole advertising game that exists within my podcast. But, uh, if you want to spend 30 seconds doing two things. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can give star ratings on there. That is a, a new feature, so please do that. I, it would take, like I said, less than 30 seconds. No skin off your back whatsoever. And then if you're feeling extra generous, you can do the same in the Apple Podcast app as well. Um, you know, writing some nice words. If you do feel so inclined, I would appreciate that. And um, hopefully you're being safe because the world obviously still feels extremely tenuous and we're seeing tours get canceled again and dates getting pushed back and all this other stuff. It's just, yeah, it's, it's relentless and it's sad and it sucks. And I hope that, um, we get back into that, uh, world of like, okay, well, this is how we can be safe, but we can still exist at shows. We can, you know, be communally gathered, that sort of stuff. But, um, it's going to get, I think worse before it gets better, but keep your head down. We will get through this together. And ultimately the music scene will uh, still be there for us in some capacity, whether or not it looks exactly like what we were before we entered this whole, you know, two, three year spiral. But, uh, yeah, let, let, let's go. We will do it. Anyways, here is Sonia, and uh, yeah, I just I love the band. Highly, highly encourage you to check it out because uh, Alien Boy should be on your radar. So here we go. Let's talk to Sonia. I absolutely hate to admit this because this makes me feel like a uh, you know nineteen year old child finding out about music. But like Spotify, absolutely the algorithm delivered 
your band to <laughs> well you know i'm glad it happened for somebody that's great it means at least we got that going for us <laughs> right exactly like it, it does it does work it's not perfect clearly but it does work um, yeah and uh, I, I think this was back in like 2019, and it was one of those things. Like after I heard, I, I honestly can't remember what song, but uh, it was off your first LP. And ever since then, I was just like, "What the hell's up with this band?" Like, <laughs> just, ah, I know, yeah. I just you know, it opens up the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I'm sure because you know, Alien Boy exists in this interesting world where it's like you know, you guys have done your fair share of touring and released a, you know a lot of music since 2015. Um, you know, but people are obviously still, you know, finding out about you either, you know, like I did, or many other people are just being like, oh, yeah, like, I, I just found out about this band. Um, is it interesting to kind of see those different, uh, I guess, jumping in points to the band? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that every time we put something out, we're like, oh, whoa, like, this is really going now. Like, oh, like people are really checking it out. And then like each time we put something out, it's like more and more and more. And now like there is definitely a little bit more of the Spotify thing. There's like a little bit more like the get better records thing. I think definitely like put us in a different sphere than where we were before. And it's like a sphere that I really adore too, that I feel really grateful to be in. Um, and at first, yeah, cause we were touring a lot. It was mostly from that and like just our friends and like, uh, kind of like word of mouth stuff. And now it just seems to kind of have taken on this like bigger uh, momentum than it ever has before, which I'm really excited about. Right. And I'm sure too, it's one of those things where you look at it from the perspective of, we don't care how you found out about us or how you joined in this party. Like, we're just glad you're here. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. We are happy to have every, everyone that's interested, interested. Yeah. I agree with that sentiment a lot. For sure. And I'm sure, I mean, just with the, uh, the, the feeling like I was, you know, joking about being introduced to a band via, you know, an algorithm that says like, oh, you've listened to this. So therefore you might like this. Um, you know, there's a relic of the past that, has that same notion of you walking into a record store and the record store clerk sees you wearing a get up kid shirt. So it's like, Oh, they'll probably like super chunk or whatever. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And it is kind of different than like, uh, I think that that is cool because it's different than like, I feel like there's all of these bands that when I was growing up, I just knew about and was supposed to know about. And there is something different about, yeah, somebody or like you being kind of pushed in a direction because you're like, oh, well, this, well, you should check out this. And then it's like kind of like nobody, you know, really knows about it. Yeah, I think that that's a special moment. Absolutely. And too, where you feel like there is some level, even though a person is introducing it to you, there's some sense of, like you said, the exclusivity or like authorship of like, oh, man, like, I found out about this before anybody else. There's always that. that yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so kind of putting the focus on you as a person, um, were you actually born and raised in Portland or where did you come up? Yeah, I was born and raised in Portland. Everybody in the band, except for Bill, was born and raised in Portland. Me and Caleb went to the same high school, Wilson High School. And um, I met Caleb and Derek. Caleb plays guitar and Derek plays drums. And I met them when I was like 15. And we've been playing music together for like, almost 15 years now uh but yeah we're all we're all from portland Uh, bill just joined us and he's from ohio got it got it other than that yeah yeah rose city through and through rose city through and through is right big time very proud 
And I'm sure with, I mean, most people that uh, grapple with Portland as far as the, uh, you know, identity of the city and stuff like that. And, you know, clearly it's changed a lot, um, you know, ever since the documentary series of Portlandia. I'm yeah, sure seriously. <laughs> the documentary series. You know, sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> right. It's like, I, you know, I've, almost everybody in Lives Here hates that show. And I... Like I love, I watched every episode of that show because I thought it was really funny, and I have kind of like a unwildy crush on Carrie Brownstein that I like can't be tamed. Like I'm like I don't care what you do, I just like think you're so cute. I'm like gonna keep watching it, which is so silly, but a lot of it is like pretty spot on, and a lot of it is just funny. So you know, it's cool with me, but it did change things in a bad way. So I have a lot to grapple with with that. <laughs> sure, and it, it is. Like every city has stereotypes and, you know, different uh, depictions of what people expect from it going into it. But at, at the same time, like when you're taking this look of a city through this satirical lens that, you know, Carrie and well, I'm going to say Carrie and Fred because I'm obviously best friends with them. Um, yeah, but, my good <laughs> friends, Carrie and Fred. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it's like obviously Fred has a uh, or and Carrie both have, you know, punk rock past. So it's not like they, uh, you know, aren't part of our community. But yeah, it's like yeah. taking that satirical lens to it is just like, man, that hits you close to the bone. Like maybe you shouldn't mm -hmm. have been so accurate about that. <laughs> I know. I know. That's like a hundred percent true. It's like, nobody should have known that unless they, you know, grew up here. It was our special secrets that you were airing out. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, and so what was your family structure like growing up? Like brothers and sisters in the house, only child, where did you sit there? Yeah, so I grew up in Southwest Portland, which is like the suburbs. So like, I didn't start coming out to the east side where all the rocking was really happening until I was a teenager. Um, and I like started going to shows and like, I started taking lessons out in Southeast, which is where I met Derek and Caleb. But before that, yeah, I grew up in like Southwest Portland in the suburbs. Um, my parents are from New York. Um, and I have a younger brother named Jacob. And they moved out here right before they moved out here like two years before I was born and then moved into the house that they still live in like two weeks before I was born. So I've just been, yeah, I like even, I even like moved back into that house for a couple of years when we were touring a lot. I like adore my parents and I have a good relationship with them and I love my brother. We actually just played um, the new online Mario party last night. <laughs> Oh, hell, hell, yeah. Hell yeah. Like Mario All-Stars, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. He lives in Bellingham, and when he comes to town, we usually play Mario Party. Like, to, like it annoys everyone, because all we want to do is play Mario Party all day, and we usually only have, like, two days to hang out, and everybody's like, do you want to do anything else? And we're like, no. But now we're hoping to get it out of our systems by playing online. <laughs> I love I love that idea of being like so antisocial, but at the same time, like this is a social game, guys. You have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, but nobody wants to play us because we're like such assholes when we play. It, we're just it's a, it's a whole vibe. But yeah, um, we yeah we all uh, Southwest Portland. It's like you know uh, a lot of my friends now like grew up on the east side and they don't know anything about out there, but it's, it's cool. It's its own thing. It's kind of like its own little city. It's not really like regular Portland proper, but I like it. Yeah. The port, I mean, Portland is so interesting because it's, it's, it has that vibe of it's a big city, but at the same time it is not a big city and it's, you know, just a bunch of adjoined suburbs with, you know, absolutely. and a lot of people don't understand that, general conceit because especially when you're talking about a big city that you know literally has an nba team and all this other stuff it's like yeah oh wait you guys have a downtown but not really sort of a downtown it's like there's 
tall-ish buildings in the yeah it's not like yeah it's not big big and you still like run into everybody you've ever met in your entire life like 10 times a day but right. we do have an nba team which makes us yeah the big league city wise <laughs> of course of course um and so i'm gonna guess like your suburban upbringing uh you know kind of typifies uh, what a lot of people feel where it's just kind of like oh you know it's like a relatively comfortable environment and um you know just maybe playing around outside playing sports or whatever playing with kids in the block uh is that kind of uh, your typical experience or did you have a little bit uh, a little bit of different experience uh i mean that was all true i played some sports when i was younger and then i like found out about rock music and became like you know and not actually weird, but like to myself, I was like, nobody gets me. Like I listened to good Charlotte and then kind of like stopped playing sports and was like, always kind of like chunky and like gay and got kind of weird. And then eventually like found some friends that I really adore, Derek and Caleb included. Um, there was like a little bit of some awkward, like nobody gets me times. But other than that, it was like pretty straight up. Like, except I do joke that I was always an indoor kid. Like I like, I like, liked to play basketball but I was like not very good at it um so like I spent a lot of time inside like on the computer you know like downloading music on LimeWire and like obsessively playing guitar and drums for like you know as like it was like fifth or sixth grade when I made that transition and like you know I like slept with my guitar in my bed I like couldn't get enough and I like just practiced constantly and that took over my whole life so it's like when I think about my childhood it's like less about the like neighborhood and mostly just like thinking about my bedroom you know with like all my green day posters up and stuff right and sleeping with your guitar I really like with my guitar yeah (laughs) I just love that visual because it does especially to what you're talking about of you know you whatever playing sports as a kid and then you really do have that dividing line where it's like, okay, I either continue to, you know, be mediocre at this. It's still fun, but like, man, I can't like, I just figured out a riff. I just figured out a chord. Like I got it. Yeah. I was like, I'm over it. Like it was like already over it, but I was like, that is not for me at all. And I actually do play basketball again. Now I just shoot hoops and I really like it. And I feel like I could have maybe gone down that path a little bit more, but I just got so distracted by rock. I got completely consumed and it's like not much has really changed in that department. I don't like, you know, sleep with my guitar in my bed anymore, but I, uh, I love it, you know. Right. You're like it's it's not in my bed, but it's by my bed. If you get yeah, it. exactly, it's in my room, like three feet away from my bed for sure. Right, it still keeps me company. Exactly. Uh, so, what was your I guess initial touch points as far as music was concerned? I mean, I you know I know like you mentioned, you know Green Day, Good Charlotte. I, I presume a lot of the stuff was kind of coming in, you know, sort of via the radio initially, and then you started to go down the um, the path of uh, LimeWire and just downloading a bunch of uh, MP3s that were properly or improperly labeled. And yeah, <laughs> like, is this yeah. the right band? Yeah. I always remember with LimeWire, the like um, the, I feel like every time I was looking for something, there'd be one that was like newfound glory, simple plan and blink 182 all like collab. And then you download it and it would just be like a virus. And you're like, God, I just wanted to know what it would be like. Like, right. why, what is this song? I mean, now I think about that and I'm like, it sounds like it'd be a little bit too much. But at the time I was like every single band that I've ever heard of on one track, bring it on. Um, but, uh, 
the touch the first touch points were like I remember my mom my mom really liked Green Day and my yeah my parents like grew up listening to like new wave and stuff like that in new york so they got me into like the ramones and the clash and green day and i liked it a lot and i i think i had found out about like blink 182 and the all-american rejects on my own and i had kind of like you know secretly gotten the parental advisory take off your pants and jacket in like fourth grade for my birthday and like listened to that obsessively and then something really clicked when my one of my like childhood best friends Laura she 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 was like you have to come over and showed me um that the young and the hopeless that good Charlotte record with the enhanced DVD and we like played it on her computer every day after school and there was just something about how that band looked that took it to the next level for me and then it kind of like remade me focus in on all of the bands that I had been kind of casually listening to up until that point. I was like, no, this is going to be like my identity now. And it was all just that like, you know, early two thousands pop punk was like what really set me off. I was like completely obsessed with all of it. And then when American idiot came out, it was like game over. I was completely dedicated to the rock lifestyle then and it had become like my entire identity and then after that it was a lot of pop punk and like just regular like I loved the clash and I like went to warp tour and like you know all of those kinds of like 80s hardcore stuff I got really into punk I had the whole spiky vest you know thing and then it wasn't really until my like late teens early 20s when I found the music that I feel like really speaks to me which ended up being like post-punk and shoegaze and emo and stuff like that um but it kind of was like a long road to get to where it was like oh this is the music that I actually really like really identify with and like really want to play and it's always changing too like I'm always getting into new stuff but that that period of time from when I was like 18 to like 22 feels like when I really found out what I like what I wanted to be making and what I really identified with that's cool and I I think I'm I know the path is for most people that start to get into independent music and start to pull in all of these disparate influences and then be like, okay, I just want to be a bad version of all these bands I listen to, which is, I mean, not like you articulate that, but that's what you want to do. You just want to rip off the bands that you like. Um, But I, I just like that idea that, you know, people's paths are not a straight line. Like you just start to figure out these different, styles that you like and you're just like maybe i can throw all this in a blender and maybe something will come out yeah definitely that's like a big big alien boy thing i always am getting like really stuck on one idea and i'm like how can i incorporate this into the music but then kind of like put it through the filter that we've been doing everything with and i feel like that's really exciting because it means that we get to just keep trying out new stuff whether or not it sounds that different to anybody else you know it's like always kind of me getting locked onto something and trying something new right yeah yeah no that's cool and uh as you were kind of progressing through you know high school and like you said so you you came out in fifth or sixth grade you said yeah, well, not like coming like coming out as gay. I came out in, when in like early high school, but like all of the the feelings were starting to bubble, you know. Oh yeah, I right. That's tell, that's what you noticed. I could tell that I was like, I mean, it's not even what I noticed. I just knew that I was different, and I like didn't really know how to articulate that until the end of middle school and early high school. And in that whole that coming out wasn't like a big drama for me. It was like I. There was like a dramatic moment 
where I kind of got like caught and needed to tell my parents, but my parents were really like loving and accepting about it. They were mostly just mad that I had like lied to them about some stuff. Um, but it like was not, I feel really grateful for how smoothly that whole thing went. You know, I know that it can be way harder than that. Um, and my parents and family and friends handled it all like, like champs. That's awesome. Yeah. No, yeah. The, the, the journey for people to be able to understand kind of where they not only identify, but sort of sit like in context of everybody else surrounding them, you know, that's a, that's a journey. And then being able to, like you said, find people to, you know, recognize that and meet you where you're at, regardless of where you're at in the process. It's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I, I understand where you're coming from. Like that's like the most vindicating feeling possible. I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It was like one that I didn't even really knew that I needed and one that I didn't even really think I processed until I was older. Um, because it wasn't like I had seen any of my other friends go through that. Like I was just like everything that was happening, I didn't really have a context for. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just like, I'm kind of following these feelings that I have and feeling, you know, I think because I had already gotten into punk, any kind of like, uh, not like straying from the path that I did made more sense already. I was like, well, this is fine. Like I already, you know, like don't want to be like them, whoever them is, you know, but as like a middle schooler, I was like, I was kind of like open to being different. And so I think that that, that I constantly think back about like, if I hadn't gotten into punk, like maybe how much harder that transition would have been, but I had already kind of like stopped um, giving myself those expectations to be like everybody else. So when that came up, I kind of like just followed my feelings naturally until um, I was able to like be honest with the people around me. And I feel really grateful for that. The top of the year means closet cleaning, new beginnings, maybe not closet cleaning, but you get the picture. You need to outfit your closet with band merch from rockabilia.com. You knew it was coming. And I love to support this company. And they support you by giving you this promo code, 100 words or less, that gets you 10% off your order. And they have so many merch items, you don't even know where to begin. But that's the fun part, is they will, they'll help you. They'll guide you through. Here's some deals. Here's some bands. Here's some ideas. Half a million items. Fast shipping from the Midwest. You can knock out all of your shopping for your friends, family, birthday presents, or just presents for yourself. Because, you know, let's be honest. We like to give ourselves some gifts from time to time, a little self-care, self-love. But Rockabilia has been in business for 20-plus years, independently owned and operated. A lot of punk and hardcore kids have filtered through there, and it's uh, it's a great spot. So visit rockabilia.com, 100 words or less. I urge you, have fun on that website and buy a lot of stuff, and then you get 10% off by using that promo code. 100 words or less. Thank you, Rockabilia. Yeah, it's really cool and special the way that you are articulating it because I do think that most people that get attracted to subcultures, you know, especially from a music perspective where it's like, okay, I'm introducing these, you know, revolutionary ideas to people when they're like 11 and 12 years old of like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what, uh, you know, this is what socialism is. And this is what veganism is. Like you, like you start to, like you said, you know, think differently and understand that, oh, I don't need to 
fall quote unquote fall in line i know that sounds like an anti-flag lyric or whatever yeah no i was into anti-flag that line spoke to me yeah (laughs) but yeah just like like you said it it, it sort of prepped the pump for you yeah it did it really did i because it i had no idea that like that kind of like the way that the dominoes fell was happening like that but then i look back at it as like a grown adult and i'm like oh wow like that would have been a lot harder. Yeah. If I had, if I had thought that I like wanted to turn out a certain way, but I had kind of cut that cord in my brain as soon as I got into, yeah, bands like against me and anti-flag and like the clash, I was like, Oh yeah, fuck this. Like I can do whatever I want. And then when that came up, I was like, makes sense. I knew there was something weird going on here. Like let's just roll with it. (laughs) Right. This was this was already given a voice, and now I yeah. am hearing that voice. And yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, what was kind of the you know? I know that you were clearly obsessed with music and kind of figuring out how to you know play your guitar. And was the desire pretty quickly that you wanted to play in a band, or was that something you had to kind of warm up to? I wanted to play in a band. I had I always wanted to play. Well, I started off playing guitar, like just and singing. Alien Boy is actually the first band that I ever have sung and written songs in in my entire life. Um, but well, I started off wanting to play guitar, and then I was like, I was also really shy, and I was like, oh my gosh, guitar is like too. It's too in the front, like it's too much responsibility. And then I started playing bass, and I love playing bass, and I spent most of my time taking lessons taking bass lessons and like adored my bass teacher and he got me into like Iron Maiden and like Metallica and all of this other stuff that I never would have really gotten into and that was like a really special growing time in my music my music growing um and then I got really into playing drums and the first band that I ever played drums in was Caleb's band where he sang and played guitar and I had barely I was self-taught because I had just like kind of bullied my way into having a drum set at my house against my parents' wishes and, uh, you know, started practicing drums all the time and uh, met Caleb and our other friend Rain. And they were like, we hear you play drums. Like, will you play drums in our band? And I was like, I haven't ever really played drums before. Like I only taught myself and they were like, it's fine. And then we played all through high school, maybe for like four years or something like that. And we played like tons of shows. We were playing like every show every week. The band's name was Star Party. It was like kind of like an indie band, but I was playing like, my friend always used to say uh, that it was like watching the drummer from Black Flag play and like Death Cab for Cutie. It was like kind of chaotic. But um, so, yeah, anyway, I spent a lot of the time being kind of like the backup person, like somebody who was helping somebody else who was writing songs pretty much up until I started this band. Does that answer your question? No, absolutely. No, I mean, it's cool because I, I do think that it, I just love, I, I love when kids decide that drums is the thing and like, you know, parents, collective hearts break. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh God, I have to listen to this be so loud forever. Like really? I know my parents were champs about it. Honestly. I mean, this is, this whole podcast is just going to be about how much my parents were champs <laughs> about everything that I ever did. But, um, they really, yeah, they, me and my brother ended up playing drums. And between the two of us, I feel like we were playing drums in that house for at least like five hours a day and probably drive. And then when my brother started playing drums, I would be upstairs in the, like, you know, the room with the computer in it. And I would be like, holy shit, this is so loud. I can't believe they all listened to me play drums for this long. It was like shaking the house, but they were just like super supportive, which is obviously incredible. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I they didn't want me to play drums at first. They wanted me to play guitar. And then I ended up playing drums and bands mostly. And I'm actually like a drum teacher now. And oh, that is that's... like my main, my main guy is the drums. <laughs> right. That's very cool. Um, and so was there any sort of, I mean, clearly the idea of, you know, playing in a band and especially from the stuff that you were attracted to the, you know, or, or as you were traveling down the path of, uh, you know, DIY and stuff like that, like clearly there's no, you know, sort of life path in regards to, oh, I'm going to make a living out of playing music or whatever. Yeah. Um, was there uh what, what was the sort of like i guess like life path for you was it like oh i'm going to you know do what my parents did or like what were you attracted to it i well i yeah as soon as i had gotten into music i was like i want to be in a band and this is the only thing that i want to do and everything else is just going to be to like appease my parents or like whatever i think that i'm supposed to be doing and i after high school went to college for a couple of years and then i started playing um, I don't know if you know this band kind of like spitting, but they're kind of like oh, uh, yeah. emo yeah. band. And yep. uh, I knew Ben and I started playing bass and kind of like spitting. And we went on tour, a tour that kind of like ended very dramatically and not well as most of the tours with him go, which I didn't know when I left for that tour. Um, but even though that tour was really hard and kind of traumatic, I left that being like, I have to do this. And I quit school and I've just been like, uh, teaching music and being like being in bands ever since then. And at first when I quit college, it was kind of, it was a big deal for my parents. They were like pretty upset about it, but now they've come around to it and are like, you're really doing what you want to do. And they're super supportive, um, which is once again, I really appreciate <laughs> Yeah. Parent, parent appreciation podcast. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um, something that I, I find interesting and I'm sure you've, uh, you know, put some thought into it, you know, alien boy, uh, has definitely existed within, you know, the DIY, you guys play, you know, quote unquote, unconventional venues, you know, you're playing on the floor. Like yeah. a lot of, a lot of people experience that, but when you have this really, um, you know, vocal community of people being like, Hey, like, you have to play on floors the rest of your life. Like I'm mm-hmm. be- exaggerating, but just that idea of like transitioning into a quote unquote real venue and then being yeah. like a, you know, pro core band or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, is that something that you had to, I guess, encounter or is that something that you just basically said, I ignoring that because obviously I want to, you know, this band to continue to grow in, in, a, yeah. in your own, under your own terms or yeah. Nobody here is that weird. Is that like, hard stanced about the like staying DIY thing. And I think that, I mean, in my experience with us, it's like, yeah, we, I like when I, all of the shows that I started to go to when I was a teenager and beyond were like all at venues like that. And I have like a deep love for all of those spaces. And honestly, don't ever imagine alien boy not playing places like that. Like this is the first time recently where, or no, this is the first time not recently that, um, we've you know transitioned to playing bigger venues consistently but there's always this thing in the back of my head where I'm like well but like when we're done doing this we're gonna like go and play at houses and like do like the same stuff that we always used to do it's like I have no I can't predict the future I don't know what's gonna happen but I think that in my head I always imagine that that will be a part of what we do I personally am like very like community based person and I like go to a lot of shows and I like always ideally want to feel like alien boy is a part of that um 
But if we weren't a part of that and we just played at like, you know, more standard venues for the rest of our lives, I think that all of our friends and our community would just be really happy for us. Um, there hasn't been any kind of like, oh, like, why are you doing that thing from our community at all so far? <laughs> no, that's that's good. I, I do. It, it beca- I mean, to me, it's really disheartening when that happens because the notion of exclusivity and understanding that there needs to be certain trade-offs in order to build a community to hopefully a little bit larger space. Um, yeah. But it just, you know, it becomes so myopic where it's like, you only need to play in front of 40 people for the rest of your life. And it's like, well, do I? Like, Yeah. <laughs> now, I've always been ready to, you know, I think that selling out is not even what is on the table right now. It's not the same as it was in all of the, you know, rock docs that I yeah. watch every single night before I go to bed. But, um, you know, I have never been really worried about that. I'm, I'm just super, I'm so curious and so interested in where music can take me and like what experiences I can get that I would like never be able to turn down that curiosity in my brain to like stay doing the same thing for too long. You know, like I just am so like, I've been playing music my whole life and I've always, now it feels like I've always wanted to. And like, if an opportunity came up, I just wouldn't be able to turn it down. I've like, just, I'm so curious and something really cool that has been happening lately because like the last two shows that we played were the two coolest, wildest shows that we've ever played. And I keep on getting messages from people that I don't know being like, I'm so happy for you. Like you're doing so much for like the Portland community and like you've done so much. And I just think that this is so cool, which I wasn't really expecting anybody to be like, Oh, good job. Like this is really cool that this is happening, but it has been happening like from people that I know and from people that I don't know, which is just, I don't know. It's really cool. It's really, really nice. They like don't have to say that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have to look at it from the perspective of, if one or two people are reaching out to you to actually say something, there are even more people behind the scenes that just aren't reaching out, but are still impacted on a pretty deep way. Yeah. It feels like that. And I think that it, I just super, super grateful. I, it's really, really, really cool. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Well, and I think what's, you know, after, I mean, I personally found out the band and, you know, understood not only musically where you were coming from, but, uh, you know, sort of, whatever politically and you know philosophically as far as mm-hmm. hey we want to build a community around this band that you know like the the queer collective like that you are, yeah. are, are kind of and i i think that that um is also special because you are not only i mean the idea of you know intersectionality and you know inclusiveness and all those things that are positive about the community um by you being able to say we want this to be as, you know, within reason, as big as humanly possible while making sure that everybody feels cool about, you know, stepping into the space that we're creating. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to say it. Um, It's like, I think that as it gets bigger, it almost just feels like everybody's feelings about it and like being a part of it just gets stronger. And it just is like, yeah, it kind of turns into like its own force or something like that when there's an alien boy show and everybody's there kind of like vibing on the same thing. Like, I don't know. The way that I've felt the past couple of months playing shows is just different than I have the entire time I've been playing music. And it's just been so, I think that the community aspect, if anything, 
is getting tighter and more concise, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's, it's really cool. And especially when you are able to, you know, not in maybe real time, but in almost real time, be able to recognize that and feel that kind of energy and momentum that, you know, then you're kind of living in it and be like, oh, wow, this is exciting. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like right now. I'm kind of glad that we ended up having to push the podcast a little bit because I feel like there's like this, there's a unique feeling to what we're all feeling about the band right now that I'm glad that I get to kind of touch on a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. Um, And kind of on that same point, clearly you've had to, I mean, you work with record labels and I know you've put out on Tiny Engines and then- Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know Tiny Engines is this whole, you know, we could probably do an hour podcast about that. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's so, it's so much. That was such a nightmare, but it's kind of fine now. So, you know, whatever, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah, say la vie, as they say. Yeah. Um, but like the the notion of encountering, you know, business and trying to figure out ways to be able to like, not only, you know, put gas in the van to get you to the next show, but just understanding that there are implications that I need to, you know, consider in order to keep this thing going, quote unquote, um, are, you know, are clearly you have been comfortable from a business perspective to make those decisions, but like where, um, yeah, do you like it <laughs> or is it just something that you need to do in order to obviously get the band out of the bedroom or so to speak? Do I like the business aspect of it? Is that what you're asking? That is, yes. Yeah. Um, I go back and forth. I have a very like, um, I'm very like project minded and I like to have a lot of things going on. And sometimes it really scratches that itch of being like, oh, I'm in charge of this whole thing. And like, I am going to email all these people and I'm going to organize all these tours. Cause it's like, we just got a booking agent now, but every single other tour I've booked basically like with some help from other people, but pretty much by myself. And I get kind of like, uh, manically to my detriment, maybe obsessed with these like little tasks and it feels really fun. And then all of a sudden I'm like, ah, I haven't sat down and played guitar in like three months because I've just been wor- like working on my computer, trying to like get all of this other band stuff together. And then that starts to feel kind of bad. I think I'm mostly looking for a balance. Like I think I like having all of the business responsibility because when it all, when I pull it off, it's like a good, good brain moment. But I think that sometimes it just takes away from my ability to focus on what, like the content that we're creating and the music that we're creating. And right now I'm just trying to find like a better balance and all of that Um, by like, you know, asking for help when I need help, which I'm kind of bad at and uh, things like that, but it's not terrible. I don't like a hundred percent hate it. I like feeling like, you know, I'm getting stuff done and like, I don't know. I just have have a lot of Capricorn in my chart. It really drives me. (laughs) I'm not a Capricorn, I'm Aquarius, but the Capricorn in my chart really drives the business side like really intensely. And it's like fun, 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 fun. Whoa, not fun anymore. It's like kind of like it goes like that most days. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. You run into the wall. You're like, wait, no, this isn't fun anymore. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is like kind of that like loop that I just explained is like just a every few months loop where I'm like fun, 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 not fun, need help, not fun, need help, gotta stop, fun, fun, fun. And then I just keep going. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, as long as you recognize that, then, you know, it'd be. I'm recognizing more it more now. now. Now I'm starting to understand the pattern a little bit more and I'm trying to get like, you know, when I'm about when I'm about to reach meltdown. 
before meltdown happens. <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important, um, you know, but, uh, what we were joking about off mic where you don't actually feel like an adult. Those are adult-like things that you could be like, oh, I know what to do in order to not get into completely harmful territory. For yeah, exactly. Yeah, little things like that and remembering them and is is good. And getting right. in getting in a more healthy relationship with the business side, I think is what I want to do. Cause it's, it's like all 24 seven, like thought looping about figuring out all of that stuff. It's a lot of extra work, you know? And it's like, it's yeah. Work that feels really fulfilling for me. But then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah. I also like have a regular job and this feels like a job that I think that I like. And it's a definitely a job that I like when I'm writing and playing music with my friends, but it does turn into this. Once you like, you know, get a little bit bigger, it turns into this whole other thing. Um, and I think some days I find myself wishing that like I could just focus on that. Cause I feel like then I could handle it all. But with, you know, another regular job is when it starts to get kind of crisscrossed and a little bit too much. Sure. Do, do you think about it, I guess, kind of on the flip side of that coin, where if you were, removed from you know quote unquote real life and being able to create uh separate from you know i mean the the joke is that you know once a band is really like become a quote unquote full-time band i'm using a lot of quote unquote sorry mm-hmm. but no it's okay once a band becomes full-time and then their second or third lp is just about like life on the road you know like right the yeah they could write from you have you kind of reflected on that notion uh I haven't, I have, I mean, I've thought a lot about the way that I'm living my life in how it reflects in my music. And I'm always kind of like a little bit freaked out about that just because so much of the music is kind of so far, like about the same, like similar sentiments, less so on the newest record, but even a little bit so on this record and beyond, it's all kind of like me redigging up like the same things. And eventually I'm like, well, I can't keep digging up those things forever. Like I'm going to have to have new life experiences. And I do. And I like, I'm figuring out now how to like, you know, kind of write outside of that box, but I haven't think thought about it in like, if, if, you know, I would love for the band to become full time. And I think that that would be great, but how that would impact what I would write about too. Cause the like, yeah, the lifestyle would just be so much different. Um, I haven't thought about it a lot, but I do know that. Yeah. That's something that I would like absolutely love to see what it was like to just be able to focus on it. I think there's just so many, like there's so many aesthetic things that I feel like could be so much tighter if I just had a little bit more time, you know, it's like, I'm really into the the merch that we do and I'm really into kind of like creating a whole world around the band. And I feel like we almost have that, but if I just had that extra time, I feel like everything would look so much more cohesive and I am always like kind of striving for that. Sure. No, I totally get that. Um, with the uh, a lot of the touring, like you mentioned, you know, you were, were booking on your own. This is so random, but something I noticed personally. You have played Montana, and that is why yeah. no one plays Montana. We also- love Montana. We love Montana. Some of our best friends are in Montana. Okay. And so it's, I, I'm guessing because of the, you know, rapturous praise of that, like all the shows you've played there have had that vibe of probably people being like, Oh, thank you for coming here. Cause no bands come here. There's, you know, yeah. Uh, so it, it, is that reflective of your experience? The shows that we play there pop off. They're so yeah. sick. So like we, do you know what camp days is? Uh, uh-uh, uh, no. 
Okay. Wait, where are you from? Uh, I'm in uh, Southern California, most specifically. Oh, cool. I was just one. I was like, are you in Montana? Because you have to no. know these people. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I've got up to speed. So there was this festival called Camp Days that was kind of like the, like, it was kind of based off of Tree Fort, but it was like way smaller scale and like okay. a lot more DIY. And I was friends with this band, Lee Corey Oswald from Portland, who I also used to play with a little bit. And they're just like good oh. friends of mine. And they, um, they were friends with a bunch of people that lived in Boise and Missoula. And they were always going to play camp days and camp days was like, it just seemed like, it always seemed really cool to me. We were, we've always been like really into like kind of, playing these small fests like we played one in Minot North Dakota once and I just kind of love it like I love seeing how people do stuff like that especially when it's on a smaller scale um but I had always known about Camp Days and that of all the people that run Camp Days their favorite band is Roswell Kid and Roswell Kid would always headline they would like always play which I just thought was so cool and uh one year we applied to go and that we got accepted and we didn't know anybody there really but a bunch of our friends from um like Choir Boy played that year and Human Leather played that year and I'm trying to think of who else like a bunch of our other friends were there maybe Stranger Ranger and Dog Breath too, but I'm not sure that might have been the second year that we played. Um, but it was just like a bunch of our buddies out there and we had nowhere to stay. And the people that were running the festival were like, just go to this guy John's house. You guys can stay there all weekend. And we got there and we met John and we just like immediately hit it off. And he's in a band called Wrinkles that we also love. Um, but we hit it off and we like partied all weekend and we made all these friends. And now we just like want to go back to Montana all the time. Also, my girlfriend is from Montana. She's from Missoula and she was there that first weekend. And that's like when we, you know, like kissed for the first time. It has like a very romantic oh, yeah. vibe a lot going to it. On there. The whole thing felt like a movie. It was like everybody got like, everybody ended up like, you know, like, we were like partying and everybody met somebody and it was all very romantic and we would lose each other and find each other again in this city that we like didn't know that we had never been to before. And it was just really magical. So after that, we just like, we went back to camp days the next year and hung out with all of our friends and then just make it a point to go out to Missoula like as much as we can. Cause we just have like a bunch of friends there from that experience. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I do like it when you are able to find these pockets of communities in these towns that are, you know, off the beaten path and don't get any love yeah. from a touring band perspective. And so yeah. it's cool when you can kind of create that. And honestly, it's like, I think most people that have toured across the country, you know, yes, of course you remember the, you know, big shows in the major markets or whatever, but it's always the ones where it's like, oh yeah, man, Bloomington, Indiana or whatever. It's like, those are the ones where, you don't expect something and then it pops off. Yeah. It pops off. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we really like that. Yeah. The other one, which I mentioned briefly is like on the first full U S tour that I did with my buddy, Mo Troper. Um, Mm. he, we played randomly in Minot, North Dakota, which is like so far away from anything. It's like really close to Canada and you have to drive like on these tiny, tiny roads for like seven hours to get there. But then we got there and we played this bar and we met our friend, like the friend who was booking the show and she had like made us all this food. And like, it was like the best like hospitality, you know, we had gotten the whole time. And ever since then, whenever like I book a tour, we usually play through there. 
and it's awesome. But I don't know anybody else who's ever been there, you know? <laughs> yeah, super, super cool. Um, two last things I want to hit on were, uh, you know, you, you released your newest record on Get Better, and that is such an interesting label because, um, you know, not only of the ethos of behind the idea of making sure that people who might not have had the spotlight in general, it's like, though the whole label is about making sure that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, underrepresented voices are highlighted front and center. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, I guess, how did you get on them? Was it one of those things like you were just already friends with them in the community and then it was kind of just made sense to work with them or what was the vibe? I didn't know them before. I had always really liked what they were doing. And while we were even still on Tiny Engines, I had been like, you know, tweeting at them and stuff. And it seemed like they kind of knew who we were enough that when I emailed them, um, they hit me back and they were like, yeah, we're definitely interested in hearing the new record, like send it over when you can. And then I sent them these like terrible demos. Like this was probably like right before the pandemic. Cause we were supposed to record the whole record in April, 2020, but we didn't end up recording it until January, 2021 because of the pandemic. And, uh, but I had kind of like these terrible demos that I had kind of put in an order and I sent it to them and I never heard back. And I was like, dang, like, I guess they just like don't like it. And then when we got the rough mixes for the record, I emailed them again and they were like, holy shit, like I love this. We got to talk on the phone right now. And then when we first talked on the phone, Alex was like, you know, I heard those demos and they just really didn't sound like what the record sounds like. And I was like, I know they like were not very good. Um, But I appreciate you like giving my email a second try after me sending you those kind of like chaotic, messy demos. And then immediately, like we had been talking to a couple of labels, but they were like, we'll do it. We can put it out in August and we really want to do it. And I've like loved that label for a long time. And I really admire how outspoken they are. And like, I just think that it's like one of the coolest things going on right now. So it's kind of a no brainer. Sure. Sure. I, I, I do love that idea. Cause like, I mean, they are a professional label, but it's like, you know, yes, there's less of a, uh, you know, veneer in regards to like, Oh yes, we're, you know, as big as epitaph or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But just that idea of like sharing something, be like, Oh, what do you think of this? And it's like, Oh, this, this sucks. Like we're not, yeah, I, I, I know. Like, I'm pretty, they didn't say anything, but it, uh, we and Alex did talk about it later on and they were like, yeah, it just didn't sound anything like the mixes you sent us later. And I was like, fair, fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I do just love that because it's like, you know, on one hand you're kind of like, oh, this would be cool to like work together or whatever. But then you're just like, well, I'm just kind of also sharing it with a friend and it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, yeah, 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 I totally, totally um, and so I, I know, like you were kind of mentioning uh, that you are a music teacher and you teach drums and um, that idea of, you know, being a music teacher, whether it's like, you know, school rock or some sort of affiliated program, um, you know, that is a very uh, dwindling resource in our country. Um, mm-hmm. But you've you've been doing that for a while, I presume? or no? I've been doing that for 10 years. Um, I went I started teaching at School of Rock when I was 18. And okay. then they just to, to drag them for one moment, they fired me uh, in the middle of the pandemic um, because I mean, that whole thing <laughs> yeah. was like really, really complicated. And it was like sure. a lot of details that I won't go into right now. Um, but I felt super, super betrayed by that and uh, don't vouch for them anymore. Um, sure. 
but did for a really long time. Yeah, I taught there for like, yeah, since I was a kid. I was basically like a kid teaching kids. And then like, yeah, I worked there for like an entire decade and then kind of like slowly realized that they weren't, as far as like uh, people who teach music go, it's like, it's just like everybody who works at a school of rock is like so underpaid and it's just like kind of whack. And I kind of like, as I was getting like radicalized over like, you know, the past, however many years I was slowly realizing, I was like, Oh, this like whole like way that they got this set up is kind of messed up. And then I kind of started poking at it. And then, you know, long story short, now I'm out, but now I'm doing it freelance and it's like the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's so much better. And I like adore all of my students and we work on a lot of songwriting stuff and not just like, you know, kind of buy the book, how to play music stuff. And it's honestly like really, it's like, it's a lot of work. It's like a lot of emotional work, but it's really rewarding. And I love mm-hmm. it. That's amazing. Especially too, where you are able to provide a, not only a, you know, sounding board for kids to understand where they can kind of sit in their musical journey, but then just the idea that, Hey, like I, you know, like I played in a band and I've played in bands for years. And I know most people that kind of work in that, ecosystem have that lineage to be able to be like but at the same time to be like oh like i have been doing this and i have released records and i have to yeah no at the record release show that we played so many of my students and old students were there and uh this band in town called growing pains who is like i think one of the best bands in portland they are they're between portland and eugene right now but i they used to all be my old students and they like played our record release show and it was like so 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 cool they're so good so many of my students were there and they were all like just i don't know it's really sweet when they like get really into it and i like give them all i like can't stop whenever they ask for alien boy shirts i just give them to them because i think it's so sweet that they want them it's like so cute right them all so much (laughs) yeah no that's really that's that's cool because they're um you, I mean, I think most people treat teachers in this way that it's like they're not real people. You know, you're English yeah. and math teacher, and then yeah. you're able to break that barrier and humanize them, and like, oh wait, like they have a life outside of what they do with me. And yeah, no, I was like at the record release show. One of my students, I had him like standing on like the side stage with me all night, and he looked like so pumped. And usually, he plays it like really cool. He's like 15, you know, and he like usually is like, oh, whatever, like, I don't care. And he looked like he was, like, hyped to be on that side stage hanging out with me. It was so cool. I, like, I don't know. I had a lot of teachers that I really admired growing up, and now um, being in that position and, like, I don't know. It's just it's really cool and really rewarding, like I was saying. Uh, yeah. And I think it just, like, it kind of, like, keeps me inspired. Like, it, like, keeps me inspired to, like, keep – trying my hardest not in a like you know success driven way but in a like I really want these kids to have a good example of somebody who's like doing this and really giving it their all and it kind of keeps me in line you know <laughs> yeah absolutely it's super cool well uh Sonia it, I say it's Sonia right or how, how do you- I say it's Sonia but it's not a big deal I go either way yeah <laughs> okay okay just wanted to make sure I was like yeah, yeah was it, we didn't want to bum you out but being no out. it's all good no it's all yeah. good well thank you for hanging out I very much appreciate your time and uh, this has been enjoyable yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me uh, I really appreciate it it's been great talking to you too
There we go. That was Sonia. Please check out Alien Boy. It is worth every moment of your time investing into listening to that record. And uh, once we're able to see bands live, I know that they will be in your town. I look forward to seeing them because I actually have not seen them as of yet. But uh, anyways, that's Alien Boy. Thank you very much, Sonia, for making this happen. I actually woke her up on an early day for her it, it just was i was yeah i think we did the podcast at like nine or ten in the morning and it, it was just she was like this is, uh, this is early for me i'm like i get it but i appreciate it so anyways next week we've got jonathan ford from unwed sailor and roadside monument i loved this chat because uh first of all roadside monument gets very little shine. And that makes me sad because Roadside Monument's a really good band. And I know once I started to kind of poke around in the Christian slash Christian adjacent scene, uh, Roadside Monument was always kind of on the outside because like, even though they put out some stuff on Tooth and Nail, it was just an interesting progression because that band was for sure a sore thumb uh, in regards to their sonic similarities to the bands and label, which was basically non-existent. But anyways, Jonathan was a great chat, very introspective, very insightful, and uh, has been a dude that is has been in it. He's been creating music for so long, and Unwed Sailor, he's been doing that for, um, gosh, 15 plus years, and I just, I love the output there. So anyways, that's what we got next week. Until then, please be safe, everybody. <laughs>